0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Karen Tusa, one of the people responsible for a new documentary called Closing Time The Vanishing Prairie Beverage Room. Ken Allen will join us. He's in charge of communications at Public Works at the city of Winnipeg. The city has decided to use beet juice on all streets. We'll talk to Ken about that. And Carolyn Classen will join us on the podcast from Connexus Counseling. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. The thought that I'm going to leave this place and leave all my friends behind and leave this community that we've fostered and created here at the bar is devastating. It's going to be probably one of the hardest days of my life. That is some sound from a new documentary called Closing Time, The Vanishing Prairie Beverage Room. And one of the people responsible for that documentary, Carrie Tusa, uh, Karen Tusa, is here. Hi, Karen. Hi, Hal. Uh, great to have you on again.
1: Thanks in a, for having me back.
0: Yes, in a different role, a different capacity. So you co-directed
1: this uh, I co-directed and produced it.
0: Yeah, excellent. Uh, the trailer is fantastic. Uh, we'll tell everybody where they can see it in a second. But as uh, I, uh, you know, read the title, Closing Time, The Vanishing Prairie Beverage Room, I thought, yeah, because I grew up in a small town in mm-hmm. southern Alberta. Same thing, right? Small beverage room. That's where everybody met. That's okay. where everybody visited and chatted of all ages. And they're going away.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's why we wanted to investigate and talk to a bunch of people, met some incredible people along the way that are pouring their lives into these establishments to keep them going. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, at one time it was the place to go. It was a community gathering. Like, does everybody congregated there and met there, and now they're solely disappearing.
0: Yeah. You're from here. Yes. Much of this was shot here. Yes. Tell us one or two of the stories, some of the people you met maybe.
1: Uh, we met... Uh, a great guy by the name of Gary DeRoche, who um, owned the Brunkill Bar and Grill for many, many years. It was a very popular place for people to go to stop on the way, and he had a real great community going there, but uh, he had to shut it down recently, just financial reasons, and uh, he tried to make it a go of it. And uh, we interviewed Conrad uh, Sandiac at the Boot Tavern in Selkirk, which is quite the happening place he is making go of it. It's going great. Uh we also um interviewed somebody way up in Winnipegosis at the Mossy River end. It's a great young couple that took over, and they're just being like very creative and different things that they're going to keep it going. Yeah.
0: What are some of the reasons that these uh, prairie beverage rooms are are vanishing closing
1: um There's quite a few reasons uh one of them I guess you know the one that they're fighting for about most is Uh, Being in the rural towns, it's a little bit different than being in a city, and so they're being taxed the same as the people in, like, Winnipeg. Mm. And so they find it hard that way. But then it's also changing norms, like the smoking ban uh, played a lot into that, as well as, you know, just people are changing. People stay at home, the drinking and driving, they don't want to go out. Uh, You know, there's there's just, it's just a different um, mindset nowadays, Mm. too.
0: Yeah. Well, it looks fantastic. I'm glad I got you on for a few minutes anyhow. Um, and uh, maybe tell us where we can see it. It's on CBC, right?
1: Yeah, it's going to be airing nationally this weekend on Land and Sea on CBC on the main network. It's pretty exciting at 12.30 p.m. And Land and Sea's is a, a program that's been running for 30 years, primarily doing Atlantic shows. So mm-hmm. when they picked a few shows across Canada to showcase... Uh, It was very exciting for us to be able to show this documentary from Manitoba.
0: Excellent. Absolutely, yeah. Well, congratulations. It's called Closing Time, The Vanishing Prairie Beverage Room. Karen, thanks again for coming in. appreciate it. Thanks for
1: having me come in, Al. All
0: right. Ken Allen joins us on the phone now. He is in charge of communications at Public Works at the City of Winnipeg. Good afternoon, Ken. Hi there, Hal. So, beet juice on all the city streets. Tell us about it. Well, yeah, it's
2: exciting. Uh, we've been running a pilot project uh, using beet juice as a, an anti-icing solution and de-icing solution for for about the past couple of years. And uh, we've had quite a bit of success, and now we're going to be expanding the use of beet juice as a melting product uh, on a citywide basis. Why does it work better? Well, you know, it it, it is effective to in colder temperatures. So we can use beet juice right up until uh, the minus 30 point. And one of the other advantages is that uh, the liquid really does stay on the roadway longer. It's tacky and uh, it stays in place on the roadway. So it helps with improving traction.
0: Is it cheaper, more expensive? Are there any downsides? Well, you know,
2: it really is kind of cost neutral. So it's not really a, a big financial benefit. But certainly, uh, you know, another positive aspect is that it's uh, an organic material and there are no chlorides in beets.
0: And just so people understand, I mean, this isn't bright red beet juice they're going to worry about on their car, right? Beet juice is
2: water soluble. And if anyone uh, was to get some beet juice on their their vehicle, it would be certainly uh, easily removed the next time they wash their vehicle.
0: So obviously we've got a bit of snow on the ground. We know more is coming. We don't know how much more in the cold weather. As we head into this season, uh, maybe tell us about the plans over at the city. Anything new this year?
2: Well, you know, uh, we're in a really good state of readiness. Uh, You know, our equipment is ready. Our stockpiles of sand and salt are are topped up and, uh, you know, we've had a little, you know, a little bit of a dusting of snow the last couple of days, but, uh, you know, we're ready when mother nature throws more of the white stuff at us.
0: I think the city has done a better job over the past couple of years, at least at being more proactive when we know snow is coming. Would you
2: agree with that? For sure. And and you know what, that's where the beet juice really uh, helps us out with our anti-icing operation. When we anticipate and and see a, a weather system moving towards Winnipeg, you know we've got our anti-icing tanker trucks over you know going over the overpasses and bridges, and uh you know we're treating those those structures you know well in advance of uh, of the system coming, so we're ready when the snow moves in and beaches really is just another tool in our toolbox, and uh, we're, we're ready if any if Mother Nature throws us any uh,
0: winter weather anytime soon. Ken, thanks a lot for this. I appreciate it. yeah, you're welcome Hal. Carolyn Classen is here. She's here every Thursday uh, between 2.30 and 3. By the way, I will just tell you and everybody else that I am going to take next week off. Okay. And Carolyn, uh, you will be working with Kathy Kennedy.
3: Oh, she's great.
0: She is great. So next uh, Thursday, Carolyn Classen and uh, Kathy Kennedy here between uh, 2.30 and 3 on CJOB next Thursday. Today. Now, can I ask you uh this wasn't planned or we hadn't talked about this, but you know everybody's talking about all this uh crime and these armed standoffs and the meth crisis and and everything else. Do you have any thoughts on how uh stuff like this stories like this that we report every day impact our psyche, you know, just the average citizen out there they hear about all this uh you know, crazy crime happening and gunplay and stuff, and it, it, it impacts all of us.
3: Absolutely. Yes, we feel the stress, right? Stress comes at us in a variety of ways. It comes in our immediate families, how we're feeling the discussions. that comes at our job, and then it comes through the news. Um, and these days, you can get news 24-7, so you can be constantly bombarded. And when you, you hear stressful things, your body reacts with stress where your adrenaline goes up. You have a release of, you know— there's just all sorts of things that happen in your body where you feel the stress in your body and your body is less able to fight infection and less able to calm down and do, you know, the things like develop grocery lists and solve math problems. Um, The stress absolutely does affect us. And you actually get this sometimes when, when you feel like crime is happening and is it going to happen to me then you get this sense of hypervigilance of you start looking around and am I safe is there anything around me you sort of scan the environment and instead of looking for good things you're starting to look for you know the trouble things you get this um, so the hypervigilance and the, the anxiety is just a really no- common part and I think it, or it's important for us to recognize that that's a normal thing of listening to the news and hearing bad news hearing stressful things all the time and also then figuring out how to develop strategies to be able to not have it negatively impact us or to reduce the negative impact on us.
0: So that helps then, saying, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and that is going to make me feel safer and worry less.
3: Right. And so I think when you feel like, oh, man, break-ins are starting to happen and there's shootings happening in our city, this is frightening to say, Okay, so yes, it happened to this house, and how many houses did the did the did the radio not report news on that were safe? because you hear about the one that happened, you don't hear about the thousands or hundreds of thousands that were safe. And the one that happened was terrible and it was dangerous, but we can get a skewed version of how dangerous our world actually is. And so I think it's important for us to do some grounding and some balance work to understand, all that didn't happen yesterday, and then to say, and what can I do to make my world safer? Can I get to know my neighbors? Can I make my neighborhood a more hospitable place where that kind of thing is less likely to happen, where you take control of what you can control and you work to make your corner of the world to the best of your ability, a better place.
0: I ask because it is in the news more lately. It seems as though we're seeing more of this and it messes with your head. And it happened to me about a week ago. Uh, Jackie was going out to meet a few friends for a birthday party and uh, I didn't hear from her exactly when I thought I was going to. Mm -hmm. I instantly thought, What am I doing? Why didn't I drop her off, pick her up? Ah. You know, not that she was going to a horrible part of town, but it does feel like it's happening all around us now. And yeah, your mind starts to play games, right? And you worry, and and you're right. Uh, We we need to realize that while it is happening, um, it's uh, probably not happening as much as we are perceiving that it's happening.
3: Right. But I think it's interesting how that you're aware that when something doesn't go quite right you're starting to notice that your first impulse of what to think is that, oh, something bad happened.
0: Which comes from all this.
3: Which comes from all of this, right? right? And then to recognize that and then to ask yourself what that's about And what you can do so that, because living in a state of terror actually isn't going to help your relationship with Jackie. If you're frightened to let her out of the door Mm -hmm. or she can't go anywhere unless you drop her off, that actually doesn't help her or your relationship. And so it's good to notice that and then to figure out what you're going to do with it. And sometimes when you don't notice it, it catches you from behind and it kind of, it pulls the strings uh, and it affects you, but not in a mindful way.
0: Mm. I would never try to control Jackie because she wouldn't allow it. She, first of all, would not allow it. But no, and it wasn't about, it was just, you know, thinking in one side of my brain about the stuff that I report on every day. Right. And then in the other side thinking, boy, I hope she's okay. I thought I'd hear from her by now. And
3: But that's what fear does to us. Mm. Fear has us want, want to see. What can we what can I lock down? What can I control? Yeah. How can I reduce my risk? Mm-hmm. You care about Jackie and you're yeah. like, what do I have to do to keep her safe? That's mm-hmm. where your brain starts going yeah. even if there's another part of your brain that says that's actually not going to fly yeah, nor should it right. right yeah right
0: absolutely. okay. well, that's great. a great answer and uh, I appreciate you weighing in on that because it is what we're talking about right now. all the fear stuff absolutely that's affects on. us yeah yeah, it really does occupational stress injuries. You have uh, posted a blog. Mm -hmm. You've made a blog. I always get confused how to say that. A blog posting, you posted a blog, whatever. Whatever. You've written about this online. Mm -hmm. People can find it at the Conexus Counseling uh, Facebook page Mm -hmm. and also on the website. What is occupational stress injuries?
3: So occupational stress injuries, that's a term that I've just really gotten to know in the last year as I have had um, the opportunity and the privilege of working um, with people in the military and with people associated with the military, with families um, of military personnel. Occupational st- stress injuries are injuries that have happened that are stress injuries right when people see things that they shouldn't have to see when the people hear and experience things and when people experience the the sort of stress that happens when you're um, on the military field when people that, that, that those can create injuries and they aren't injuries that you can see but they're just as real as if you are come home missing a leg and often we we are better able to recognize when there is loss of life. With the military, we see very clearly the loss of that. There's no d- denying the tragedy that happens and the the sorrow of the family members left behind. Um, and when people come, you know, having lost sight or um, having disability because you know th- there's been injuries to their arms and legs, we see that and we can very easily be compassionate towards that. The occupational stress injuries, which involve post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety disorder, depression, things like that, those are also very real injuries. And we may not be able to see them in the same way, but that doesn't make them any less real. And families that support um, veterans that have occupational stress injuries, they're very affected as they seek to care for that personnel who's injured in a very real way, Um, and it matters. You know, you get flashbacks and nightmares, crippling anxiety, um, triggers, all sorts of things um, because people have experienced things, and they've done that on our behalf, to protect uh, Canadians and to protect um, wherever they go in the world, to protect the people that are there as part of serving their country. Those injuries are real and they matter. And I think I've just been struck this year as we are coming up to November 11th of recognizing that people might be able to walk and talk when they come back, but that doesn't mean that they don't have invisible injuries that we need to honor and respect and then recognize that they have paid a price and we have to honor that.
0: Well, and you, uh, in preparing for this (laughs) segment— Uh, you brought up a great example, a Winnipeg story that uh, is mm-hmm. is really uh, an ex- a great example of exactly what you're talking about: occupational stress injuries.
3: Oh, and I'm so I was I I was just so grateful and um, appreciative of the Silver Cross Mother this year, Anita Senerini. Her son, Private Thomas Welch, served overseas, and several months after he came home after serving in Afghanistan, he ended his life. Mm. Uh, and he did that uh, because of the occupational stress injury of having served in Afghanistan. And um, we are recognizing and, and honoring um, Mrs. Srini, it it allows all of us to say we recognize that those injuries are real and that they matter and that he was profoundly affected and that she lost her son because of his military service. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's validating for those that struggle with occupational stress injuries to say that we recognize that as he was a fatality of the war.
0: I think we're getting, we're better understanding what you're talking about, mm-hmm. these injuries that are real, very real. Yes. Um, but it's still taken some time for everybody to understand completely that that injury is just as uh, important or as serious as had he received a, a bullet to the leg, say, for example.
3: Right, yeah. Those injuries are real, and they. Um, I think that's largely what legions um, used to be, right, where the veterans would gather after World War II or whatever and be and gather, and they didn't talk about their experiences, but they knew that their fellow soldiers understood the trauma that they'd experienced, and they kind of hung out together um, and there was a lot of veterans that came back w- that had to numb their pain through alcohol and so forth because they had occupational stress injuries that nobody named that in that way, but those were it, it's always been affected people that um, have served in the military. Uh, and I'm glad that we're finally getting to name it because once you name it, then you can do better at dealing with it.
0: Carolyn Klassen is here from Connexus Counseling. All right, um, children with loving moms are more likely to be happy and healthy adults. Not a shocking headline, but let's talk about it.
3: But a good reminder, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. That those early years and of growth and development, having a child be able to look Be able to feel safe and supported, to be able to have parents who care about him or her is just really important for later in life. We set them up. It's not so much what they learn. If you're going to teach a preschool or something, it's not about having them learn their ABCs and their colors. It's about having them learn that the world is safe because they're with you as a parent and that you care Mm -hmm. about them and that you're making sure that their world is good. Yeah. Uh, and this was developed from some... uh, Michigan State University did some research, and they covered 22,000 people, so it's fairly broad research. Um, And they looked at... uh, There was two studies, one that followed adults in their mid-40s for 18 years, and the second followed um, people over 50 for six years. And the participants were asked how much their parents understood their problems as children, how much affection they gave, and how much those parents tried to teach them about the world. And then they also asked them about... Um, 27 health conditions, Um, and then they also asked them about levels of depression, and they found that participants who remembered receiving high levels of affection from their mothers were healthier and less likely to be depressed. Mm. But they also found that having supportive loving fathers also reduced their risk of depressive symptoms. And they recognize that mothers are really important because 40 years ago, mothers played pretty much, they were the primary caregivers. Yeah.
0: Dad went to work and, and mom raised the kids.
3: Right. And so there's, uh, this, the, the researchers are, are suspecting that now as we recognize the importance of fathers and more fathers are taking an active role in their children, that pe- pe- children are being co-parented by mom and dad, mm-hmm. that when the people that are five and six now are interviewed at 50 and 60, they will be talking about moms and dads and not mm-hmm. just moms. Because times are changing, right?
0: Yeah. So, do you think, uh, you know, uh, being a parent, do you think maybe this is an example of why a hug and a kiss might be more important than teaching a child a lesson? You know, you know, sometimes as, as parents, I think parents focus in on being disciplinarians, right? And you got to learn this, and this is important. You know, where maybe it's just about showing love.
3: Well, Toni Morrison, I think it was her, who who talked about in an interview with Oprah years ago, you know, when your child walks into the room, does your do your eyes light up? Mm. Where so often we as parents, we want to bring out the best in kids. And when our child walks in the room, we can see that their shirt's untucked or that they didn't put their shoes in the right spot. Or our, our first hesitation is to, our first inclination is to want to correct so that we can teach them. But when your child sees your eyes light up because you walked into the room, that gives them something so powerful. Yeah. And what surprised the interviewers about the study the most was they thought that the effects of having good memories as in your childhood that they would fade with fifty and sixty year olds like surely memories in your twenties and thirties would replace what it was like when you were five and six, mm-hmm. and what they found was that memories still predicted better physical and mental health when people were in middle age and older adulthood. Mm-hmm that who you, who you how you are nurtured by your parents when you're preschooler that matters 60 70 years later and i think sometimes we for, in that it's exhausting being a parent of small children yeah. right um, and it's so easy to lose your temper and to scold and to remember that this child is looking to you to see how safe the world is mm-hmm. and that that has a lifelong long impact. It just inspires me as a mom to remember, to figure out how to have my eyes light up when my children walk into the room, even now.
0: Yeah. And one more here. I can't wait to hear your take on this. So this guy is being criticized for proposing to his girlfriend while she was running the New York City <laughs> Marathon. Right. First of all, this guy's timing
3: sucks, right? I mean... Does it? Well, I think it does. Yes. Doesn't it? Well, see, that's the thing is, it to you, it would have sucked if you were running the marathon and somebody stopped you, right? But when I did a little bit of reading from yeah. what I could see in social media, she was just delighted. She, well, I'm sure she was. Yeah. But,
0: I mean, you know, we're all, you know, judging, you know, all of us judgy people here. All
3: of us judgy people. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I just think, well, I don't know. You tell me. You're the expert. You tell me.
3: Okay, so here's the thing. Um they asked him why didn't you propose at the end? And he said he wanted to pop the question at the first Manhattan stop of the race, which was at about mile 16. Right. And they live in New Jersey. I don't understand what the significance of yeah. the first half cuz I don't mm-hmm. live in New York, but that meant something to him and to them. Mm-hmm. And so the the thing about this is is it's about attunement. It's not about proposing. If you if you surveyed 100 women who were running the Manitoba Marathon, where would you like to be proposed to? It's about where's the right place for this couple to get engaged. And he seemed to have nailed it because she was delighted. And Mm -hmm. so, well, for many of us, that would have been an interruption that wasn't welcome. He knew her well enough to know where the right place was. And I think the trick is is to get to know your partner and know what what floats their boat Mm -hmm. um, and how can you do that. And that's not easy. Uh, But I think we all know, my husband knows that if he's going to plan something for my birthday... It's not going to be a surprise party because I've worked the business that I work Does in Because he the,
0: knows you and you would not appreciate
3: that. Because I can sense my spidey sense says he's hiding something. <laughs> And I'm a therapist, right? Yeah, right. I know what people do when, they, when they're when they hiding, right? Like, and it's not good.
2: <laughs>
3: so you don't surprise a marriage therapist uh, and keep a secret when yeah. they know that something, right? Like, it, that just doesn't feel good. So yeah. he talks with me about it. Yeah. Um, and many other people would say, well, that spoils the surprise. And mm-hmm. I'm like, exactly.
0: Yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. Okay, and quickly, before we go here, your workshops that are uh, coming up.
3: Yes, November 16th to 18th is the Rising Strong Workshop. We still have some spots available. Okay. Uh, and if you mentioned that you heard me talk about it on CGOB, Uh, we can still get you in at the early bird price, even though it's taking place just over a week from now. We'd love to see you there. Uh, It's a chance for people who have had a fall in their life, a retirement, a death, uh, the end of a marriage, a stumble stumble of some Mm -hmm. sort. How do you make sense of it? And how do you pick yourself and move on in a way that doesn't deny the pain, but also doesn't have the pain? Uh, sort of define who you are moving forward it's just a really cool opportunity to have some space to process it to talk about it in a way that makes sense to you You, nobody has to say anything they don't want to but people that come often found it find it a profound experience and are better able to make sense of the stumble and to move forward effectively
0: and it's with carolyn class so it's even better because of that how can they uh get a hold of you
3: you can uh, call us at 204 275 1045 and let Melanie know that uh, you heard me talk about this on CGOB and she will give you the early bird rate. Or you can look us up at connexuscounseling.ca and fire off us, fire us off an email um, through the contact page there.
0: Carolyn, thanks a lot. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy your week off from me because you're going to be doing this with Kathy Kennedy Enjoy next week. Enjoy your week off from I here. I will. Thank we will, you will all very miss you.